0: Kid.
1: Hi, everybody. It's Brian Eisenberg, and I'm here with my friend Marcelo Afonso. Marcelo has truly a fascinating story. We're connected because he was originally from Argentina, and my current Argentina, and I have found him on Twitter. And I was just fascinated to see what kind of baseball was happening in Argentina. And then uh, the next thing I know, he's now hired by the Astros organization. And he is now currently the manager and the field coordinator for one of the Dominican Dominican leagues for the Astros, among other things. And I just wanted to bring him aboard to tell this story, talk a little bit about what development looks like, both in Argentina, which is obviously not well known for baseball, the Dominican Republic. And obviously what he's learning from the Astros and all the certifications, which I'm sure we'll touch on as he tells his stories. Welcome,
0: Marcel. Can you tell us a little bit how you got here? Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. And um, I, I played baseball as I was nine. And uh, I guess by the time I was like 18, I started helping out coaching kids. And in Argentina, we always had this issue that Pitching was not good. Pitchers did not throw hard. When we went for international tournaments, we got blown away by every other Latin American team. They got guys throwing 90. We got guys throwing 75. And we tried to compete with that, but it was impossible, really. And then I... One time MLB came down to Argentina, had a, a, a baseball coach development the program and I signed up for that and I thought this is going to be it. Like, they're going to tell me now what we are, what we have to do in order to get guys throwing 90, 95, whatever. And it didn't happen. Like I was sitting there with my notebook, trying to take notes and they were just doing us drills and the same drills that we do, the same drills that we were doing at the time. And I was like, this makes no sense. And so I started rethinking what we have been doing wrong. And I guess uh, that's when I realized that we in Argentina, we're working with a different kind of athlete. If you go in the U.S. or in the DR or Cuba or Venezuela and you ask them in rooms with 100 kids who wants to play baseball, probably the majority of them will raise their hand. And if you do that in Argentina and in a room with a hundred kids, probably one raises the champ. And it's the kid that is probably the kid that's going to suck at soccer, basketball, tennis, and any other sport. And so they decided to try baseball. So we're not working with top tier athletes. We're working with the monster, not fast, not strong, not coordinated. Of course, we can't be using the same methods of training that you use to where I see a for, I don't know, some of these beasts. And uh, yeah, I said, okay, I gotta up my game. And that's when I I emailed Coyote from Driveland. And I was it was one day at night after practice that I emailed him. This is way before they had their certifications programs. And I told him, I'm from Argentina. I wanna go there. I wanna learn. I wanna see. Because DriveLine was something new at the time. It was different than what everyone else was doing. It made sense for us too because DriveLine, they said, and it was an indoor facility and they have an indoor program for development. And we in Argentina, we don't have the same weather as Seattle, not as rain, but we do get a lot of rain and we work indoors. So it made sense for us. So I went there for two weeks, Kyle allowed it and. And I took a lot of notes, asked a lot of questions and came back and I, let's start doing this. And we started gaining some progress, some kids gained miles and were faster and were better and they, most importantly, they weren't getting hurt. That's the most important thing because we went from what MLB told us a lot of times you, th- you should take three months off throwing every year and, or stuff like that To Let's just throw every day, make it something second nature, strengthen your ligaments, strengthen your, your muscles, everything. And it got better. And in, I think MLB sent me for uh, like an internship with Toronto Blue Jays so after that, because they saw that the progress that we had made. And then after that, when the pandemic hit, I was really like everyone trying to figure out what we do from home. And I remember, uh, you no, know, would made me out of the blue and asked me if I wanted to do translation work for them. Because when I went to dry line, I had told them that all this knowledge that they have in their book and how can the kinetic change is awesome, but it's only in English. Yep, And. Every time I try to explain it to people in Argentina, I'll have to, well, I'll translate some of these words that were not even translated yet. And, and so he emailed me out of the blue asking me if I wanted to help translate a lot of their blog posts, their, their more, more important blog posts. And I said, yeah, yeah. sure. And he, what he offered me was an exchange the free certifications for dry So I could take the courses for free, the pitching certification, the hidden certification and the youth development certification. So that was a good deal. I took it and, and then I have a friend of mine who's with the Diamondbacks. He's our national team manager in Argentina. He offered, he had a, a code, a promo code for their episode of certification. And I and he offered it to me. I said yes. So I was doing certifications during the pandemic, and I figured when I did this Rapsodo one, I figured let me reach out to Rapsodo to see if they want to translate their course, and they did, and they were man, they were they wanted me to do the subtitles on their videos and everything, and in exchange for that work, I asked for a Rapsodo unit to be sent to Argentina, and I got that, (laughs) and I was like, I was pumped with that. I was super. Excited for that. The kids in our program loved it. They were having fun with it. And when I reached out to Rock Soto I think Kyle found out that I was trying to get that going. And she asked me if I was interested in working in pro ball. And I that, that thought had never crossed my mind until then. And I said, yeah, maybe. Yeah, that I could do that. And so he interviewed me for the Cincinnati Reds DSL pitching coach job. And unfortunately I didn't get it. So at the time I was like, okay, I got this opportunity, but I didn't get it. I felt fine. And two weeks later, Mike Rathwell, who's Skyline CEO, also texted me and says, the Phillies are looking for bilingual pitching coach. Can I give them your name? Sure. And with the Phillies, I interviewed like with seven different people. No, Travis Herger, I think, uh, then Josh Bonifay, then Jorge Velandia, who's like their assistant GM. And again, went up all the way up until the end and didn't get it. And now I was like, okay, now I want it. <laughs> now I want a in Pro Bowl. Because if you feel like you're right there, but you didn't get it, you start thinking like, okay, what am I missing? Yeah, the competitive edge has to start coming out. Yeah, yeah. And really, I think it—it's also, I think it was also experienced with interviews. Like I, I had interviews for jobs before, but never professional baseball jobs. And they ask you some. Sometimes they ask you the same questions, different organizations, but they'll ask you the same questions. So you got to be prepared for those. And and I started working on that. And I applied to another position with the twins and I was doing good in their interview and in the process. And then the Astros and I applied for the Astros pitching coach. And I guess I didn't get the Astros pitching coach one. So I was rolling with the twins maybe I was going to get that one, but the Astros called me back and said, we have two openings that we'd like to that we're considering for one is development coach in, I don't remember if it was low A or high A in Fayetteville or Asheville. And the other one was manager for the DR. And they asked me, what would you prefer? And really like for me, it was, I don't know anything about those jobs or, you know, I call my buddy, the Diamondbacks and he's like, on one hand manager is pretty good. It will look on your resume. It will open you a lot of doors. The managers don't move up the ladder that fast. So you pick manager into the art, you're going to be there a while. And then on the other hand, if you go with development coach, you already be in a higher level and movements are more frequent there. Those positions, but so he told me that and. There's nothing really that I could do with that. Uh, so when I called back the Astros, I just told them, "Whatever you think, I'll have the the most impact uh, in the organization. I'm down." So they said, "All right, manager, it is." And here we are. That's that's amazing.
1: I, I want to reflect back on a couple of things that you said, which I think are really important, especially for our listeners. It relates to me. I guess it's one of the reasons why I found you early on on Twitter as well. Is You know, my my father was, grew up in Argentina. He was born lefty. And when he was young, they tied up his arms so that he couldn't ride with his left hand. But his legs were equal. And so when he played football, soccer there, he kicked equally well with both legs. Now we understand neurologically what obviously developed. And he was super, super fast. Unfortunately, that did not pass on to me or Sammy. We got my mom's side of that part of the body, but yeah, he was, it, it was incredibly fast. And he, he was obviously elite among there. Cause they offered him to play professionally and all of that. When you're training kids who are not the top choice, right? You look at one of my, some of my favorite videos are some of like a Rawless Chapman when he was training in Cuba with the Cuban coach and some of the things that they're doing, what works for someone like a Chapman is not going to work for your average player who may not be born with elite rotational skills or elite speed or velocity. And I'm comfortable to say, Sammy was not born elite, right? We have to use different methods to get them better. So I want to explore this because. There's obviously a big difference between training those non-elite players. And and it's not that Argentina doesn't have some talent. Our mutual friend, who also explained to me what it's like in the Dominican Republic, Edward Cruz, who unfortunately had to get Tommy John surgery. Otherwise, he would have been there for you in the World Baseball Classic. And he tells me, like, in Dominican, if they don't see that natural talent by put them in the academies if they're super talented and young but if they're older than that if they're not that superstar early that they're discarded and he's real passionate about developing those guys too now that you're in the astros organization how do you see this world of development for
0: obviously not everybody can be elite so what where do you place your focus i think Yeah, I agree with everyone that development curves are different and not everyone will, will turn a corner at 12. Not everyone will have their highest performance at 16. This is the age where they usually get signed here in the DR. And so sometimes you see a really good player with 17, 18 year old and they were like, oh, he's old. No, he's not. No, he's not old. And, and here in the Astros, we always tell the story about Tramber Tramber Valdez. We signed it at, I think, 20, I don't know, something like that. And teams were passing on him because he was old or were they consider old. And there you have this dude now throwing 25 consecutive quality starts. And he's the number two starter in our rotation. in, in, you know, in championship series. So when people do that, it bothers me. It bothered me in Argentina, especially in Argentina, because, you know, this card in players in Argentina, when you have such a small pool, is stupid. When they told me like, "No, he's not good. We shouldn't do anything with him. I'm like, we should work with every player we get and do our best with each and every one of them. But yeah, it happens in pro ball too players sometimes gets disregarded because of age, because of this, because of that. And, and my personal philosophy is I enjoy the challenge. If there's a player that's struggling, then that's where, that's what they hired me for. Otherwise, just let's select the best players and let them play a lot of games. And, and when they reach the majors, they reach the majors and they don't really need us for the things. And someone told me. When I interviewed for one of these jobs, someone told me that some organizations have this philosophy: just select a bunch of players, have them play a, a, a ton of games and the best ones will rise by themselves and the worst ones will just. Yeah. The It's like a philosophy, a lot of the
1: select teams out here, obviously, let's just get the best talent and we'll win a bunch of games and, and that's enough. And there isn't a real focus in on that development side. Uh and I think it's probably something that, that you've discovered because obviously I've watched some of the videos that you share of what you're doing in the, with the team in the Dominican. There's a lot more to development than just talent. There's a lot more to winning than just talent, right? There's the heart that you can't necessarily measure. There's the passion and fun. And I think that's a key part that I see every time you post things. What are some of the things that you do now as, as the manager there? With, you, obviously you're dealing with some real talent, obviously, the role part of the Astros organization could serve all the
0: threat of foreign teams to keep fun and keep developing them. Right now we're in instructs. A lot of what we do now is uh, instructional. It could get boring at this time of the year. When we start our preseason, we're putting them in shape there to make the, the, the sorry. Yeah, so in order to make the league and perform. Once the league starts, it's all about games. So they really have not a lot of time. They wake up at 6 a.m., breakfast, gym, whatever. They finish the game, they're, they're gassed out. And they only have energy for, example, classes in the afternoon, have after English classes, for school classes. And then, and then when it comes to instructs, that's really the challenge is what you just said. Let's just make this fun because they've been here since March for April and they are tired and they will very much to be at home right now. So we got to keep it interesting. And the things that we do is we arrange, of course, we arrange games with other academies we are also instructs. We play simulated games among ourselves. And last day, for example, last Wednesday, we set up the machine or two machines, one's throwing curse balls, one's throwing fastballs and we split teams and we play five inning games. and on every inning, we have a runner on third so that they can practice on bringing the runner home with sacrifice fly. And we make it interesting by saying, okay, whoever loses has to, I don't know, pick up all the balls after BP tomorrow. So some competitive thing or whoever wins gets beats at night or whoever and we try to keep it interesting. And I think those guys do it. It's not hard making it competitive for them because they're already very competitive. What's hard is really in an environment where it's fun, it, it's also educational that they understand that they learn from it. And at the same time, finding consistency here that the art is super hard. Because things might fail the other day we were about to play a game power goes out and this doesn't have to do with the ashes just like the infrastructure in this country is poor so power goes out and we need to find a way to water the field before the game or whatever it is you know finding consistency here can be tough but it's really one of the things that I think is one of my biggest responsibilities that we are consistent in what we do and that we allow the players to get a a good training
1: in That's awesome. Now I'm very curious because obviously you recently became the, the pitching coach for the world baseball classic qualifier. Argentina was invited and you had to work on putting together a roster and a team. And I know you started with 70 people and started cutting down all that, but I'm curious If you weren't in the Dominican Republic and you had to go back to train all these people in Argentina, what things would you bring back with you? What drills, what what devices, what exercise equipment, what would you love to bring back with you to help train those young guys in Argentina?
0: That's a good question. If I had unlimited unlimited budget. budget, I think, okay, great. The things, the basics, baseballs, bats, whatever. Sometimes those things are not findable in Argentina. Like importing baseball stuff, it's impossible. We have a huge inflation. I think it's going to be around one hundred percent this year. The U.S. dollar is very expensive, and buying things from the United States is expensive. And on top of that, you gotta put the taxes that the government charges you when you import, for example, like baseball which makes no sense. Like I, we always say, that we understand having taxes on things that are already produced or manufactured in Argentina. Having taxes for things that are, are not manufactured in Argentina makes no sense. It's not like we're hurting someone's local market because of that. But anyway, it is what it is. So I think the basics, yeah, is baseballs. So, you know, every time we get a chance to buy baseballs on the bulk or cheap, then we do that. And after that, I think that given the fact, and that's really what we did, qualifier, given the fact that we don't have a lot of speed right now, we're working towards a program where we have pitchers throwing above 90, we need to rely on movement. And when you don't have VLO, movement is key. I would definitely take the track man back with me, if I could. And that's what we did, actually. In Panama, we had the first four days before the tournament, we were in a city called Cocle. And I asked one of our scouts, one of our Astro scouts, uh, Daniel Rodriguez, who is the regional scout for Panama, if he could come with us and help us and bring the trackman with it. And he did. So the first four days we were playing games against Brazil, like in a way to prep our hitters so that they could get ridden. And at the same time, we were throwing bullpens with our guys before the end of the game on track, man, ch- checking their shapes, checking their pitches. And for some of them, it was eye see a guy, the four-seam and a two-seam after they bump So we were like, it's not really two pitches right there. It's just one. Or you see a guy who's better or doesn't do anything, but it's for blue. So that slider off the table, and that's really basically what we did. With the time that we had, very small time, we just shamed a few pitches out of each one's records, scores or made a few adjustments with the kids that were able to do that. Not everyone will come in and be like, okay, make this grip change and it will automatically stick with it. But some guys will. So we use that time and we use that tool for that. And I think it, it helped us. And that's what I will bring back to Argentina because I said, you don't have guys with below, then they better have sick movement on the pitch and maybe you can help yourself to that. So I think those things are really the most important. And I think the last day I would take maybe some of the, some of the uh, SNC programs that we do here, our SNC programs are pretty good, are pretty Aggressive, our nutrition programs are also that the guys that we have are, are massive athletes. They are very strong, very fast. And I got to kind of tip my cap to the, our strength and conditioning department, because they do a great job with that. I guess those three things maybe.
1: That's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about the world baseball classic experience. Cause that's a, def- that's a different stage that you were in. And- I think one of the most interesting things to me that I learned about the World Baseball Classic is that when teams got invited to the World Baseball Classic, they had an option of either MLB providing coaches former players and stuff like that. And we saw that with Team Brazil, with with Troy Hawkins and others like that. Or if they have people from their own country, like Argentina did, to be able to uh to coach there tell me about a little bit about how that that came about because obviously uh, argentina was able to bring a, a very strong manager and obviously you as the pitching coach and what just the whole experience was like that's getting ready to put those rosters together uh, arriving there getting everybody ready because in argentina it was it's wintertime right and Everything has to be completely different. So I'm really curious how you guys prepared for
0: all of it. Yeah, it was it was really difficult. Like we were told 60 days in advance that we we're participating in this. And within 60 days, we've got to come up with first a list of fifty players, then a shape that list to thirty-five, and then finally twenty-eight. And yeah, I think MLB offers I don't know if it offers, but sometimes MLB will put down a, a name. For example, Bruce will, will be the manager for France and, uh, or Dick Finley would be the manager for Brazil. Brazil has experience with this though before, because I think previously Barrios became the manager too. Latroy Hawkins has been working with Brazil for a while now, so they know them. they have have, I guess they will have in their, their staff also managers and uh, all other coaches from Brazil because they obviously Steve Finley comes in. I don't think he knows any player from Brazil, so he'll probably need help from some of the local coaches to tell him what's what and who's who. In the case of Argentina, I guess they felt comfortable with Rolando because he already is manager in a, in a pro ball organization in a minor league system. I guess they felt comfortable with me because of the same and the other The other coaches that make up our staff, these guys that have been with us forever and they know our players. They know what they're doing. They know what their current status is like, what they're working on, their weaknesses and everything. So I think I was really comfortable with the staff that we had. That was one of the better things. Then coming up with the list, that was completely, that's a completely different thing. Like you said, in Argentina's winter, we got players all over the world. We got players in Europe playing league, we got players in the United States who are, some of them were not in activity. Like some of them had played their last baseball games in 2020. And Eric Mal was a player who last pitched in college, I think in 2020. And Andres Kim is a, is a, an infielder who also played his last game, maybe in 2021. So we got to call those guys and make them game ready within 60 days, which of course, it's a lot easier for a pitcher than for a position player. Position players will need to face live pitching in order to get ready for a tournament like this, but they all did a great effort with that. Like they went into facilities, they found a team's player here and there so they could do their stuff. It was great. And with Sammy also, he didn't get to travel, but he did the same thing. Went to the facility, provided the tracking information, provided the videos. Same with Nicholas Luke, who was also going to be one of our guys. And so that was interesting, like finding all these guys and then keeping tabs on everyone in any part of the world that they were. And they were all coming up with problems. I remember we got this kid in Italy where like, He didn't have any implements, So I had to buy a set of weighted balls, ship it to Verona in Italy. And yeah, so that he could throw against the wall because his team had been done with training and he had no one to practice with. So that's one of the things we did then for the guys that stayed back in Argentina, we were setting up practices and lives and simulated games and then, but but yeah, it was crazy. Even finding players. In, in, in your case, I was lucky that I've known you before and I've known Sabi before. But for example, Eric Ma and rest team, when they asked me, how did you find us? And I can't honestly remember. I just think that there was this one night where I just started googling all sorts of different words, like um, parents from Argentina, father from Argentina. I'm expecting to find maybe an article from a college about a guy who you know, it's the son of Argentinian or something. And I think that's how I found them. And then you go into Instagram, you should find their name and get their contact. And then, yeah, it like, it went from that. It was crazy. You, though, ne- like, you never think you were going to be a detective too. Yeah, that, that was crazy. It, we even had MLB said, we're going to send you a list of potential players. you So we thought, okay, maybe MLB had a database. With people of Argentinian descent, which we very weird. That's not a field in any database. Like grandfather nationality of grandfather. Yeah, but they sent us the list. It was just like all players from Argentina who had signed contracts with Braves in 1996. Yeah, so we're not gonna yeah, we're not gonna need those guys. Yeah, we just started. Googling, Googling using Twitter and social media and we find a lot of guys, two of them were able to travel and the rest were not able and, and it sucked. 11 week sucked when we learned those news, but yeah, it was hectic. It was fun though, but it was uh, pretty.
1: What's interesting also is when you look at the list of some of those teams, obviously, Panama and. Nicaragua and well, there's there's some powerhouse teams where people here in the U S obviously know some of the players from those countries and Argentina doesn't have that, but they've developed quite a reputation in Latin America for being quite an accomplished team, especially of amateurs. You guys had some very positive expectations going in there and obviously
0: performed well, what do you attribute that to? I think one of the things I've noticed playing tournaments internationally with Argentina is that we're good at preparation. We take things very seriously when it comes to preparation, at least the staff of coaches. For example, in 2018, I, tra- 2019, I, I traveled with the U23 Argentina to Honduras and we were playing this tournament that will qualify us for another tournament. So in order to qualified for that tournament, we have to be like, I don't know, there's a certain ranking at the end of the tournament. So we go into those tournaments and before we go, we start searching social media. Who's going to play for that team? Who's going to play for that team? Who's going to play for that? And we come up with a list, potential list. So if you wait for the rosters to to be posted, sometimes those are posted before. That's exactly what happened with War Facebook classes. Like rosters were posted one day before. But of course we're not gonna wait. And so we know going in, who are the guys that we've been faced and we search video of them, like video, okay. and we share, we start sharing those with our players, people. So for example, for the World Baseball Classic, we had search, well, Pakistan posted all of their players on their social media. When they asked us if, I, if we wanted to do that, I said, no we are not going to reveal anything until we play until, you know, it's necessary. But what Pakistan did was gave us a huge advantage. We knew the names of their pitchers. We knew their their infielders. We knew how they were, we saw their video and we created YouTube video channels with all of their videos and we sent them to to our players and we told them like, you should start checking this out. You should start checking these hitters, these pitchers, because your also we can see, and it was like that. The starter for Pakistan was a guy that we knew that was going, we knew very well, and we knew what we was going to throw to us. Same thing for New Zealand, and same thing for their relievers as well. And I think that's what really stands us sets us apart from some of the other coaching staffs that I've seen in these tournaments. We do a great work with preparation sometimes it will blow some, for example, if I'm walking down the, I had this experience in the World Baseball Classic, I'm walking in the lobby and I see the, the coach, the manager for New Zealand. So I go and I greet him by his name and he's surprised that I know him. And he, I'm the pitching coach for Argentina. Yeah. I saw you guys were practicing in the Royals complex last week and he's, oh, wow, the word travels, something like that. But yeah. We're very into scouting our rivals before we face them so I want to leave on one last question
1: because you know obviously you've got some young kids and a lot of the listeners are parents to young athletes you came from being a player to now managing an organization that will uh, has a pretty good chance of going to the World Series just despite the fact that from new york so you know we'll have handle this if i had to be a betting man what would you advise kids even kids sammy's age like if they love baseball so much what are some of the things that that they can do even now to start preparing for possibly a life after planning
0: oh that's a good question yeah then i I had this conversation with some kids in Argentina as well, when they, te- when they start turning 18, 20, usually in Argentina at 18, you got to make a a career choice. What do you want to study in college and stuff like that? And I went through that as well as, as a young man. I studied something in college that I never used in my life. I have a, a degree in communication and I don't know if it serves me at all, <laughs> but If I can go back, I will definitely pick something else, something that is related to what I love, which is baseball. And there are so many areas where you can work in baseball. And this is something I told also to the guys who work baseball classic. Baseball, if you love the sport, you'll be tied to it for the rest of your life, one way or another. You will be a father of a kid who plays baseball, or you'll be a manager or a coach or an umpire. You'll be tied to the sport some way or the other. You should find something that, that, that suits you and that that makes you happy. For me it was coaching. And if you like coaching, I think that my advice would be read as much as you can about and anything that, you know, is is of your interest. In me for me it was pitching. Like I was reading articles every day. Now since I'm a manager, I'm trying to find out more about managing what makes good manager, stuff like that. But
1: yeah, there aren't a lot of podcasts about, about you're
0: that. Go. <laughs> what? No, they don't. <laughs> there aren't a lot of podcasts. They do videos on that. But in a couple, I I I heard this interview with Joe Madden the other day, and I thought he was very good. And he was very honest about it and what what the game today is like and where some of the challenges he faced as manager. When you find those, you're like, let me listen to it again. But yeah, I mean, there are many different places where you can work football today, like you could be a strength and conditioning coach. You could be a nutritionist, you could be a trainer, you could be a pitching coach, a hitting coach. And my second, I guess my second advice would be get on social media. And not all social media is good. I know that not all social media content is good. You got to filter a lot of that, but the amount of content that I got from Twitter and the amount of help that I got from that platform for me has been invaluable. Of course, like, like I said, you got to filter a lot of the BS that goes on in there. But if you follow the right people and are paying attention, you'll find resources there on a daily basis stuff that will improve you as a professional stuff that will help you connect with players. So yeah, those are really my two advices, I guess, for kids that want to, uh, you know, have a career in after base, after being a player. That's awesome. Marcelo, thank you so much for your time.
1: I'm excited for not only to watch what you continue to do, but also obviously, you know, what, what will come for Argentina in the next number of years as You've already guys been told that you'll be participating in the next qualifier as well. So now you don't have to worry about 60 days. You have a little time to prospect. Yeah. Yeah, we got a lot of runtime now. Yeah. Terrific. Hopefully you have a wonderful day in uh, the Dominican Republic today. And we'll look forward to continuing our conversations. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. Also, please consider following us at Baseball Mentors and picking up a copy of our book, Play Ball, Kid. We wish you the best of luck in your baseball journey.